Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes some of the best art materials that you can get. You can find their products online at goldenpaints.com or in your local art store. Sound Division is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. Check out their website, fulcrumcoffee.com, where you can order subscription coffee services to have different blends delivered straight to your door, and you could save by entering code ALFREDSTUDIO when you check out. Martha Atienza is an artist who's moved between the Netherlands and Philippines throughout her life. Constantly oscillating between these two cultures has a profound influence on Martha's focus as an artist. Her practice explores installation and video as a way of documenting and questioning issues around environment, community, and development. Her work is mostly constructed in video of an almost sociological nature that studies her direct environment. Since graduating with a BFA from the Academy of Visual Arts and Design in the Netherlands, Martha has exhibited internationally at various art spaces, galleries, and video festivals. In 2017, she won the Baalese Art Prize in Art Basel, Switzerland for her work Our Islands. In 2016, she was one of the five shortlisted artists for the Benes Art Prize in Japan and the Singapore Biennial. In 2015, she was awarded the 13 Artist Award by the Cultural Center of the Philippines. Martha has also had residencies all over the world. In 2005, she was a part of the Kudavents de Kamenia art program in Finland. In 2016 and 2012, she won the prestigious Ateneo Art Award with studio residency grants in Liverpool, Melbourne, New York, and Singapore. Recent exhibitions include Equation of State, at Silverlands, Manila in 2019, the Honolulu Biennial in 2019, the 9th Asia-Pacific Triennial of Contemporary Art in Brisbane, the Taipei Biennial at the Taipei Fine Arts Museum in 2018, Fair Isles, a solo exhibition at the Kunstverein Weisbaden Center of Contemporary Art in Germany, No Man's Land at Mudam in Luxembourg, and 2018 Asia Project how little you know about me at the MMCA in Korea. I spoke to Martha from the Philippines about her growing up between the Netherlands and the Philippines, island life, the lives of fishermen, film and documenting, working with communities, and having impact, and much more. Here's our conversation. The, the island looks amazing. I mean, I didn't until I sort of looked into your work and researched what you do, I didn't know that much about the island, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. It's a, The Philippines is an archipelago, but Bantayan group of islands is kind of a, a, an archipelago, a, a archipelago in, within, you know, the, the bigger archipelago. So it's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's like right in the middle, right? Yeah, it's right in the center. So, you know, the languages here are mixed. Um, 
because of all these surrounding islands. Right. So we've had um, fisher folks migrating, um, and so all the cultures have kind of mixed here. Everyone moving between islands, you know. Um, so we speak Bisaya, but we speak a mix. Um, the city close to us that would be Visayan, Cebuano. Mm-hmm. So I could give you an example like, uh, "What are you doing here?" Nagunsa mangka dinhi, and in our language is "nagano uh, kadiri." So it's very different. Yeah. So when I go to the city, they always laugh at me, asking <laughs> where I'm from. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were you born there? Or were you born in the Netherlands? So. So I was born in Manila, but my mom is Dutch and my father's from Bantayan Island. My father was a seafarer. And so he traveled when he left this island when he was 17. And he worked his way into cargo ships. Um, I think his first international route was Japan. Um, And this was all like 60s, 70s, you know, yeah, earlier even. Yeah. American time, actually, um, when uh, the Philippines was under the U.S. I mean, he he also went on with the the war in Vietnam. Um, he was so he was much earlier on ships. Yeah, um, working as a young uh, lower ranking, um, delivering food for Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did they meet your mom? So yeah, they met um, in England. What I understood. So she was actually, um, she did um, different work, but um, she had also worked for the Holland America line, but um, somehow they, they met each other in England and then my father was able to bring her on, on a ship with her. Um, he was allowed to bring someone. And so she traveled with him on, um, on cargo ships for two years. Wow. And I found all this, uh, they filmed 8mm material, and I found a lot of it, and most of it was damaged, but I was able to, the, the film that they actually had developed, I was able to digitalize, and so I spent a lot of time looking at all of their footages, and that's what kind of inspired me to um, get on international cargo vessels and film guys I grew up with from Bantayan Island. Um, so I went, I filmed my brother, um, he was the first uh, guy I, I filmed. Um, he was working on a riverboat in Holland, from going between Holland and Germany, carrying coal. And then I went from Singapore, Thailand and Malaysia. I went on a cargo ship uh, with uh, Dodong um, Disabilia, who I grew up with. He was a chief mate at the time. And I spent a couple of weeks on the ship with them. Um, yeah, and I went around uh, filming um, these guys, uh, filming their work. Uh, I explained to shipping companies that I, you know, me being half Dutch, half Filipina, I could kind of come up with manuals how to, um, how do you say, um, how to deal with Filipino crew or how to get Filipino crew and Europeans to communicate better you know right. work better on the ship and I would document but uh, yeah I spent well, a lot of time on, on cargo ships well how old were you when you were doing that filming uh, so I started in 2010 I just turned 30 yeah um, it was the first time I was able to get a grant 
to do what I wanted. Right. Uh, so I, I got on the ships and I and I started filming these guys. I actually, I mean, I had I had uh, I had an idea of what I wanted. I, I wanted to understand, you know, what my how my father was coming from these small islands how he was looking at the world but also how he was looking back at where he came from after being exposed to all these different cultures right. i had like a an imagination of um a kind of romantic idea of of what it must have been like for him to get on ships yeah and um but when i got on the cargo ships it was a, it was very different it wasn't romantic <laughs> at all it was just um you know, uh, metal steel factories on 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 water, and um, you know they're just on highways, right? So, yeah. And um, I think it also in the '60s and in the '70s it was very different. Like you could kind of hitchhike on ships, and you know if they would come to port, they would have a couple of weeks before loading and unloading. But right. now everything is automated, so they only have a couple of hours. So they don't really get exposed to another culture. They don't really meet, you know, other people. Um, so yeah, that that was really. Um, I think that was the romantic idea that I had, and that has changed a lot. Yeah, it sounds like uh, boats and the sea are just omnipresent with the family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it like yeah. that I mean, growing I grew up? up I mean, stars. obviously that was his job, and I would imagine that he yeah. was gone for stretches of time. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, even even when later on he. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something. I guess I grew up with men uh, working at sea, so growing up without the presence of, of you know, the father or, you know, my uncles or cousins. Um, and even on the island, it's either either um, men are fishing or they become international seafarers. And so when I came back and I had all this footage, I came back to Bantayan Island and I wanted to share it with the families. And, you know, just going to everyone's house and kind of, you know, bringing my laptop and, and, and showing what, what their husbands and their, their dads were doing. Um, and also kind of realizing that the, the wives or the families really had no idea what they were doing at sea. So it was really kind of, um, you know, the kind of images, you know, and this was also Facebook was not, you know, social media was not very, um, people were not online yet that time. So they had pictures when they came home and it looked like they were on holiday, you know? Right. Um, so they had a very different image of what, what the guys were doing at sea and they had no ideas of the, you know, the danger or, you know, this, the type of work that they were doing of, you know, it's, it's ship maintenance, it's loading and unloading, it's, it's, it's you know. Um, so I realized that coming back to Bantayan, it was important to share with the families what, what you know, the men were doing but I also realized that there's a there's an extreme dislocation within our community like even the word community is questionable because with all all the men becoming international seafarers and the guys that stay behind are uh, fishermen there's a huge gap in income and so there's this dislocation going on so 
you know, I started filming um, Fisher Folks. So, you know, people who, you know, this is, how do you say, everybody grew up together. It's just that at some point, you know, others decided to leave and become seafarers. But um, I thought it would be important to also document um, the guys that stay behind and, and, and continue fishing. And um, the images that I collected um, those years um, really created dialogues within the families themselves, and then they got became more formalized to create more difficult uh, dialogues. Um, you know, and after a two-year process, um, it was time to get the international seafarers and fisher folks together, because in the beginning, it was, um, I had this very simple idea of saying, okay, you know, and then we'll get everyone together and, and let's all talk about it. But that, 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 um, took two years because internet um, uh, fisher folks could not be in the same room or they couldn't even look the international seafarers in the eye, you know, because they felt that they are less than them, mm -hmm. you know, because they're not educated, they don't earn as much. So it was really a process to get everyone, you know, um, within the family to talk about, you know, the the type of work that the guys are doing, and then for everybody to come together and talk about what is happening within the community you know right. um you know why why do why do we become international seafarers why do we leave what's happening with our sea why you know why why do fisher folks now want to want their children to become international seafarers and you know that's exactly what my background is with my my father you know yeah. so it was very honest conversation and it was quite quite intense um, uh, but um, I, th I think that that project really is kind of the never it never ended that project it, it has so much to do with what I'm doing now yeah. Um, just, I think I, I really discovered what you know the power of the camera really is and the kind of conversations, um, difficult conversations it can kind of create, you know? Yeah. Things that yeah. you normally can't really talk about even within families. Right. But I mean, yeah. it's, it seems like, you know, I mean, that's getting to, that sounds like the genesis of where your work started or, or where it's led up to. But um, this idea of, I mean, it's kind of like a documentation, right? In a way of this process or this experience which is connected to the community, to your family, to the greater sort of island culture, and then international relations of how that deals with, you know, work, all that stuff. But then yeah. but get going back, I mean, when you were younger, was was your life, like, how, did you spend all your time on the island, or were you also no, traveling? No, I, I, spent, I spent my life moving back and forth, really, between the Netherlands and the Philippines, um, so it was really every few years. So I think I always, I think being on the ships kind of, I, f I had that, that period. I, I, I mean, I was happy when I decided to stop getting on the ships, I was ready. But those couple of years, I felt really comfortable on the ships and I started to question myself why, you know, and I think I, I really liked the being in between I mean I was used to it you know kind of being nowhere I like not belonging anywhere um, you know I, I'm now in my early 40s and I I'm, I'm totally okay with 
you know <laughs> who I am but I think yeah. you know at younger ages you know you're you're kind of trying to understand you're trying to understand these cultures and maybe understand parents you know did you feel very different there though because you were half you know what I mean yeah definitely and I think I think that's why I I I'm part of of I'm the community here but I'm also not I'm also an outsider looking in yeah and I think um my Dutch side you know the conversations that I have with my mother who's Dutch um are very different than let's say normal families here perhaps like uh, a lot of analyzing and and questioning and um and i think that 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 shows in my work you know that that i continue doing that i think um i wouldn't be able to do the work that i do if i didn't have that kind of bird's eye view or you know being able to zoom out you know and literally you were away and then coming back like so you were constantly transient being you know. throwing back and forth and thinking about the other place again well it's like I, I mean I this is a very not even close to your your sort of relationship to home in a way but I mean I grew up my parents we grew up in a provincial town in the US and but my parents were lifers you know they born and raised and never really traveled much and it wasn't until I started traveling to Europe and to Asia that when I've you really see the world differently. I mean, it. there's certain learning you do, even driving across the country when I did that in high school. You know, the United States is huge and it's a very different place in very different parts. So traveling really informs you and it also makes you ask questions that if you're just in one place, you just default all the time yeah. to, you know, well, not necessarily, but for, for but, the most part, you're yeah. just like, oh, this is how it is. It's probably like this yeah. everywhere or whatever. So yeah. I think that, you know, I would imagine that you moving back and forth raise the inquisitive, you know, kind of reflecting yeah. on, you know, the idiosyncrasies of the place that you grew up in or the places and that, yeah. you know, but, but when you were younger, I mean, were you creative? Were you into music or art or? Uh, <laughs> not yeah, sure. I, I, like, I like that you're bringing it back. No, I mean... I think I think I had a lot of play. I think I was really lucky because my mother was very, um, you know, she didn't allow us in the house unless we were, you know, coming inside dirty. You know, right. like we yeah. we didn't play enough. Yeah. We played a lot, you know, and I have three brothers, and I think that really, you know, and 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 curiosity and and asking questions and the moving back and forth, um, really, yeah, I think it's. It's a way of thinking. I, I look at being an artist not as really as as a as a way of thinking. And so how I'm looking at at everything I do is kind of serious play. And we had I had this conversation with Yi Ilan, another artist. She brought that up, and it's true. Like, you know, it's 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 another way of looking at things. And I think that's um, the older you get, you realize that that maybe makes you useful. That's maybe some input you can give, you know, in 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 the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this kind of insight. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the function of our people get caught up in mediums and the way things are made, but it's really about sort of how you see the world, you know, yeah, in one definitely. way or another. So whether yeah. that's film or sculpture or experience or sound or whatever it is. 
It's yeah. just a sort of parallel reflection on our existence, you know. Movies are great at that because they, you know, suspension of disbelief, it puts you in this sort of parallel world for two hours or three hours and you yeah. forget about reality. Artwork's a little more challenging, usually in the sense that you have to bring a little more to the, you know, the entertainment yeah. or experience of it. But but I think that's what it really is trying to do. And I think your work, that's, I guess that's why I was really curious as to your background and growing up and all that because it, it does seem like from you know an outsider's perspective that your work is really interested in navigating you know your experience in parallel to you know this this place which has become you know or, or sort of stirred your interest in like how places change or are being affected by you know contemporary culture or society you know, and there's yeah. such huge shifts. I mean, even thinking about that, I had the same experience growing up where, you know, every day it was just like when I wasn't in school, you know, you go out and you play and you just come back at night. And there was a lot of creativity or there was a lot of yeah. um, play involved, which inspires imagination, you know. And I think yeah. it's so different now. <laughs> it's like yeah. people cannot leave the rooms. And for a couple of years there, 2019, I mean, yeah. you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just had to entertain yeah. yourself at home or on the computer or on your phones or whatever. So it's, it's such a huge yeah. shift, you know? Yeah. And I guess I was curious as to your thoughts about, you know, quote unquote progress or technological advancements or how the world is changing because, yeah. you know, there, there could be a lot good said, but there could be a lot bad said. So, yeah, there's good and bad. I think I'll just, you know, like something I just, a recent, conversation was um i mean just something stupid you know i bought some jump a jumping rope the mm -hmm. other day sure <laughs> and i've been kind of you know because you know at the end of the day i do sit behind the computer quite too much and uh, i think i'm trying to shift back to i mean i'm i'm out here i mean i don't even have walls so i'm you know and i've got forest here i'm yeah. really lucky uh, but I still spend too much time behind the screen and behind my 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 cell phone. We we're we're connected with Starlink now, you know, thanks oh, to yeah. Elon Musk. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so you now just you know just being conscious and working a lot with young people here. And um, with the pandemic, when I started working with my neighbors, they were on TikTok so much, and I was. Um, I was kind of going through the process together of, you know, saying, hey, you know, what, what can I share with you guys, but what would you be interested in, you know, what, what do you guys want to do, and, and uh, how do I, yeah, in these three years, they've been collecting, um, they've been creating a database that is their own place here, so instead of usually, you know, how I started off was that I was always filming, but through the years I've been become really interested in having other people film themselves, you know, because usually I'm the observer. And so, and it really started with that project in 2010 because the, another reason why I really wanted to go back to Bantayan and, and make work on, on the island was to see how the, they, as the audience, as also the people being filmed would react, you know? And it was maybe I needed the validation. 
But in that process, it was, it's been really interesting to, to teach people how to film and how would they use the camera. And so the start of the pandemic, uh, the girls here, the neighbors, the Bihia warriors, they call themselves, um, they started working with the camera. And, and I also had some kids from, from the smaller island, Mambakayao. And um, they started to make their own films about issues that, that were important to them, creating a marine protected area. But they also started to kind of capture their stories of the grandparents, their parents, uh, collecting stories. And, um, and we've kind of, through the process, kind of come to the conclusion that it's kind of... Um, a proof of culture. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds a little bit. But uh, in these areas, um, fisher folks and, and farmers don't have, they're the poorest of the, the poor here in the Philippines, let's yeah. say. So, and they have very little voice and very little importance. And they've been moved off coastal areas, like fisher folks are living on coastal areas, and they're being moved. Um, for for many reasons. Um, one reason is because we have climate change and we've got super typhoons coming and it's dangerous in the yeah. coastal areas. But we also have, there's also the kind of this commercial interest that's coming now because it's becoming a tourist island. And so why why is it that fisher folks can just be moved off coastlines like like they they have no worth? You know, yeah, and and it's been interesting going through the process with these young people of where they start to question that, you know, because they're yeah. looking at themselves through the camera lens, and 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 um, it, you know, it's it's a really interesting process to go through that together, and um, and that's kind of I think the the power of seeing yourself on film, let's say. Um, I don't know how I ended up on this story, but um, well, I think that's, about, you know, started, that's the, 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 the culture. Yeah, with TikTok. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they also, uh, they've been collecting um, all the species living here. So native trees, native plants, they're part of this online um, Facebook group that is identifying all the native species in the Philippines and archiving it. And so they get the scientific names and they but they know pretty much everything about the plants here. And so they've, they're creating this book and they're, um, they've been learning how to use the computers and, and InDesign. And, but they're creating an archive. And um, I, you know, now how many years is it, you know, 2023 now, it's gonna be 2024. So it's, you know, three years ago when they started, they were just into TikTok and now they're, identifying species they are creating a, this this kind of their own film archive um, and they are we went uh, like a, a couple of weeks ago we went on a we went to another island where it's called Viva Xcon and it's a it's a biennial and it's mm -hmm. already been around for more than 30 years but um, they had um, an indigenous group from that island speak and share, and uh, one of the kids, uh, they're not kids, early 20s, she, she took the microphone and she was asking, what, what could you advise a young person like me, you know, trying to 
preserve our own culture from you know Bantayan and then they said are there any indigenous people on your island <laughs> and so it was very interesting you know to come home with with them saying well why wouldn't be we be indigenous and why is our culture not important so now you know now they have this this um, this thing that they want to do they have this mission you know and it's part of something bigger it's something not it's it's a discussion that's not just the island so i think that you know there's there's um i think it's good to share with young people the power of what they have you know yeah. and what the possibilities are and then i guess it's up to them you know but i think i think what's missing nowadays is kind of that play that curiosity you know right. that these are all tools that we could use um and they're not the only tools we could use because you know like uh, they need to get out there and they need to get dirty you know I, um like that's why i was saying the jumping rope it was great to to get back to we were doing jumping rope together you know you can do it with multiple people and then we were laughing and i said well i'm definitely from a time before there was the internet because i don't really see them doing this anymore uh you know I think there's a balance. I'm excited about a lot of technology. There's so many things that we can do now. Yeah. Uh, but it also scares me that that there is so many, there is so much to do that a lot of the young people that I also meet, they're kind of bored, you know. Right. And how can you be bored? <laughs> well, when right? everything's so awesome all the it's time, it's so much, right? It's almost it's like just a, overload. Yeah, totally. It's like a kid who gets every Christmas they get like a million gifts that's like after a few years it's like what is gonna you know get them excited anymore you know but yeah. if you get like one or two things every year it's like oh my god this is amazing a jump rope you know and then yeah I, I think it's a matter of you know access to things and you know I mean the same thing with entertainment it's like if you if you give these kids all these really cool technological games and things that are really connected and and then you say okay go play in the dirt for an hour <laughs> <They're gonna laughs> like, this, sucks. <laughs> this, this is not fun at all you know it's it's yeah. like you're yeah. i feel like once these things are developed the the metric you know the the sliding scale of interest shifts you know in the same yeah. way of like it's really in, interesting to think of these the people who are in these indigenous islands or places are probably in this conundrum of like, well, do you just stay where you are? You don't really necessarily have to engage with, you know, information technology or the internet or all that. But then if you don't tell the story, if it doesn't engage in that platform, does it just get swallowed up by, you know, industrialization or commercialization or whatever yeah. it is or tourist industry? Yeah. Whatever, you know, does it... Yeah. Can you really have indigenous places anymore now that the world is so small because everything is found out? You know, the island yeah. that was remote and was gorgeous and was indigenous. I have to say, yeah, I mean, I, the areas that I'm that I'm working, uh, everyone that I film with, if I have a couple of friends that I film with together or that we work with together, um, and there's just a rule like nothing you don't post anything online and we're not sharing any of this because you know somehow i feel like maybe we could still protect it somehow you know right but it's impossible it's impossible <laughs> it's like restaurants yeah. in manhattan 
it's like if there's a really great one or it's like a secret place sooner or later someone's gonna tell someone about it next thing you know it's it's you know everyone knows about I, it. i think it's, what i what i what's really a shame what i what i really hate is that um is that you share because you just want how do you say a lot of people i have a problem with people doing things just because they're filming themselves you know oh that happens uh, <laughs> I, yeah and i i don't know i mean those are a lot of the conversations that i have that you know i think i think we should be you know getting out there experimenting or you know but would you do it if you weren't filming yourself you know would you climb that mountain or would you jump in that river would you just do it without a camera you know and i think people feel like, reason uh, now because of that they feel yeah. that is the goal is like oh i can share i mean which is in a way it's kind of human nature it's, it's yeah you know you want to share like when you make a painting you want to show it and share it with people or if you got a new toy in school you want to bring it in and show people because you've we're social creatures, yeah. but yeah. it's just gotten so accessible and widespread that it's like an addictive thing now where it's, it's almost like the, the feedback that you get is more, exp more important than the experience. And one thing that I was really compelled by when watching your videos is there's a pace to them. You know, they're not, I mean, so much of video the experience of video these days is so quick. It's like 30 seconds. Yeah, or, mine's you know, so, mine you know what I mean? so slow and long. I well, have to be I honest, though. I paintings. How slow and long? <laughs> They're eternity. <laughs> they don't do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like the slowest form. Yeah. So, which is amazing. I think it's really great to have that in our day and age because, you know, it, it pushes back against this idea of just like the two-second, you know, like the last time I was yeah. at the Louvre, I couldn't even see the Mona Lisa. And there were millions yeah, of people, people holding their phones up to it. And it wasn't about looking at it. It was about the fact yeah. that they had seen it. Meanwhile, there's like three other amazing paintings in the same room and no one's looking at them. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I feel like, I'm, I don't know if that's your intent or if you're, con I'm sure you're conscious of it, but I did experience that in your videos. There's a sort of slowing down and a, a thoughtfulness to it that yeah. I in my work that's something that I'm trying to get yeah. I do wonder if people are programmed to digest it anymore I mean you know usually my work gets shown yeah, I have the luxury of, of, of well you know if, if I get to be in a space where people yeah. get to sit down right um, I think usually part of my work is to have the space right um, it it can't just be put anywhere. No one will really look because I mean, and also here in Bantai, and I have to say honestly that sometimes when I make work here and I show it to the people I filmed it with here, I speed it up <laughs> because <laughs> they're tight. just falling asleep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they tell me, "Come on, yet faster! It's yeah, too right. slow." <laughs> um, so. Um, but I'm hoping when you slow down, and I'm sure it's with you with the painting that it requires your attention and it requires you to how do you say think about things you know yeah. in a different way and there's a certain tempo and a certain speed that and it's just ever going um yeah i mean i try to keep it intimate or you know that it it that it maybe it's your own experience 
you know, you want someone to be one on one with your work, to to yeah. yeah what was your um? It. Yeah, one of my side note, one of my favorite videos of all time is Andy Warhol's Empire, where it's just a view of the Empire State Building in black and white for twenty four hours or whatever it is. It's like super. But I love the idea of just forcing people to. It's almost like meditating. You know, it's like okay, yeah. you will. You, no one's going to sit through that whole thing, probably, but it's it's just the idea of it is pretty amazing. I, I I always thought that I was the only person that was had really long shots until I discovered all these other amazing people that had really long shots. Yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> it, it was something that I was doing, you know. Right, right. Uh, but um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. I, I I sometimes I miss. Um, I'm I'm gonna bring it back again when sure. I'm here because I I'm this is where I am right now and this is I'm always in the studio and I have all these neighbors and everybody coming over so I'm always trying to and because that's what I'm sharing here you know like another way of looking at things yeah. but it does that does require um, a, a, a a time and a space you know and it and it. And and it and it creates different kind of conversation. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah. can you not to change subjects, but can you talk a little Go. bit about your experience in the Netherlands, like whenever you weren't in the Philippines, and how that might have, or what that was like, and how different? I imagine it's a very different environment and experience. <laughs> yeah. And the, how did that shape yeah. you, or did you like it, or was it weird? Or, uh, I think what I I think the the years that really kind of gave me a lot in Holland was when I went to the art school in Holland. I graduated in 2006 and I went to a really special um, art school in the eastern part of Holland, close to the German border, called the Aki. And because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, it's the last stop of the train, there's nothing really to do in this place. so. It was really, um, this this school was really special because we got a card and we could get in 24-7 and we could do it at our own time and we just had to make, how do you say, um, we just had to set up times that we needed to talk to our mentors, right. you know? Yeah. So we weren't learning anything, but we were having, you know what I mean, not learning something in the classroom, but we were going through processes and then we were having time to have conversations about it. And um, I think one of the first experiences I had when I came there was that I remember calling my mom in, in, in the Philippines and I was saying, there's, there's all these punkers making sandwiches for everyone, like, and uh, there's a lot of Germans here, you know, and, uh, and I wasn't used to you know, like there would be discussions with teachers or mentors and they would be attacked by the students that they were not doing like teaching or the right way. And and um, they would have a joint together outside, you know, and, and have beers together. And it was very 
it was so different from the world I was coming from in the Philippines. I, I had to escape a Catholic school in the Philippines and oh, I was yeah. forced to do economics by my father <laughs> and I was able to get away from that. I did some modeling in the Philippines because, you know, being half white and, and, and uh, you know, Filipina, Asian, this is the kind of look that they like for yeah. modeling and so on. So I, I was able to earn money with that and I left the Philippines and I, and I went to this art school. My brother and my mother actually um, sent my, brought my portfolio there. And, um, you know, it, it was, I, I couldn't, it was, it was culture shock, really. Like the first couple of months, it was just, you know, um, the openness. Um, I was very symbolic. I didn't really know how to express myself. And, and I had people there from Scandinavian countries, you know, they were Icelanders and, and Finns, and they were crazy, you know, they were just so advanced for yeah. me, you know, yeah. these Scandinavians, they were so advanced, they were just so, you know, I was, I was, I was still at that point, maybe expressing that I was half, I, I was all about, oh, I'm, I'm half Dutch, I'm half Filipino, you know, right. and, and they were just beyond that, they were like doing you know their 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 artworks were like um asking everyone in class to dance with them you know or like perform with them and then they would have like uh sound sensors and things would go on and i was just i, I was blown away i mean i had uh and so i was there all the time i mean i pretty much sleep there and and we were making things and uh i remember in that first year like um I wouldn't really. I wasn't used to talking to to others, and and especially the the, the mentors or the teachers, and so I would just show up uh, every quarter with finished work, like a whole exhibition, and they would just they would just tear me apart because they just wanted my process. They really didn't care about the end product at all. Yeah. And it wasn't about that, you know. And it wasn't about money, and it wasn't about the work. It was about that process. And I hadn't shared that, and 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 it, and it was just about that. And now, actually, now that I'm working with everyone, and I'm I'm actually kind of in this point where I'm setting up this this organization here that's going to use an art methodology to, you know, do social and environmental work. Um, that's what it's about. It's about that process. It's about those conversations that we're having. And I think that's really something that I that I take from Holland. You know, like. Yeah. Um, it's that way of looking at things and it's about how do you say i think it's a very 70s point of view it's a 70s holland point of view that i that i was able to taste at that school it was probably hard for you at that point to to be able to be uh to let people into the process because like you're coming as an outsider in a way but then you're half dutch so you're you know what i mean you're sort of like yeah. not fully integrated but not fully yeah. othered in a way and then you know it's probably hard to assimilate into that environment with those other artists from different places and just feel open at that point i feel like sometimes yeah. you have to build yourself even up. feeling open like what is that you know like people could be so open and i yeah. was just <laughs> you know like it's i think if you grew up that way or or, or in that kind of a society you know like even just the, you know, there would be some Americans sitting outside. They were just crazy. They were just smoking so much weed all the time, you know. And and it was also something new to me, you know. It was, right. I mean, not new. I, you know, I had kind of grown up with that back and forth. But it was this. 
it, it, it's not really about that, but it's about the freedom, you know? It's a yeah. different kind of freedom. And, and, and I always kind of tell myself when, you know, last year I was kind of, I was having a hard time kind of questioning myself, you know? And I think we, we have that. I'm sure you have that where you question, yeah. what, what am I really doing? What, what do I want, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's always going back to freedom. Like, I wanted to do this to be free. And so, do I, do I still feel like, <laughs> you know, I have freedom? Right. Um, yeah. It's a different kind of freedom. In, in here in the Philippines, it's a different kind of freedom also. I mean, we have, we have leaders right now that, you know, I'm not really allowed to speak my mind openly yeah. um, in that way. You know, you, sh- you can't really be critical in that way. While Holland society there, like, you can be completely critical you can say whatever they whatever you want right yeah, uh, and no one's gonna throw you in jail or or you know you're not gonna disappear because you you know you say something about someone right in power right and uh, so that's a different kind of freedom um, yeah and and I th- and I think that's those are things that I think about a lot like why why do I then what's the attraction for me to feel free here in the Philippines compared to Holland, why do I feel more free here at the moment, even though I can't really speak my mind? It's kind of strange, you know? Yeah, but is that like one lane of, like where it's like a political thing, but el- otherwise? Yeah. Because otherwise, it's funny because there's free. a perception. No one checks up on you. It's like, you could just disappear here, you know? Yeah. But there's also <laughs> a pers- an outsider's perception, I think some people might have that, you know, in like the Netherlands or Germany or in like, you know, like in areas like that, the people are a little more reserved, you know what I mean? Or a little mm-hmm. more keep to themselves yeah. or whatever. Whereas like Filipino culture is, there's this idea of like a little more outwardly, you know, a little yeah, more. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. just more it's, free or like a little more open in that sense. Yeah. Which is a like very different stress, thing from just politics, chill. you know. Yeah, the politics, it's it's very disconnected, you know. Right, but, um, yeah. Kind of like uh, no one's rushing here, you know. Like yeah. I'm, 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 I'm quite Dutch here. Because I'm always upset that you know it's it you know we we had an appointment at nine and you were supposed to be here and you're, <laughs> you're wasting like my Yorker. time you know <laughs> yeah you're like and a everyone's New like in LA. <laughs> you know three hours late or 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 we had to show up the next day right, right and then yeah. the, no apologies because what's time right I mean yeah. when I've been I've been working with Fisher folks for so long and I'm always like no what time right. And he's like, well, you know, when the sun is there, when the moon is there, <laughs> what? You know? That's and, so nice. um, <laughs> it's, it's great, but it's very, uh, you know, that's, see, that's the culture shock. That's right. the, yeah. you know, like uh, sometimes you need, or, I, you know, and, and I think, yeah, I think that it's, it, how do you say? It? Like, I, I'm doing this whole thing today. Like, I'm trying to, do my whole planning you know I need right. to I need to be clear to everyone when when is everything happening and and then I have so I have I work with Fisher folks and that's a, a whole different timeline right. because that's that's not a planned one that's just like assumptions and depending on this this these months are going to be cold and that's going to be rainy and then you know, yeah. uh, then then they won't really have fishing so then they'll have time you know Full moon, they don't fish, so I kind of look at it that way. So then they'll have time, and then I have other kind of people I work with, and then it's very, you know. 
So I, I was kind of laughing at myself that I was making a, a planning, let's say, for the year. And I have, I have different, different calendars for everybody else. <laughs> because, and then I'm thinking, you know, because sometimes I try to explain things and I think, am I, am I, am I very chaotic? Do I come across chaotic? But, or is it just because it's, it's so many different things, you know? Yeah, you're working in uh, different So many different people, <laughs> so many different times, so many different ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like that. It's just, you know, sometimes you realize that, yeah, that's, it's quite, um, how do you say, it's hard to explain sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's hard to assimilate into those different sort of like modes, you know. But when I look at images of the island, I can imagine people being a little less worried about, you know, the exact time or whatever because it just feels so I don't know okay or like you could just be there you know what I mean and not yeah worry too much I mean you should nev- definitely not say that you have five things you want to do in a day you know right like uh, if you're gonna also if you're gonna have a meeting with someone it's not just a meeting you're gonna spend time with them you know and their family and the neighbors and everybody yeah. It's not like, you know, it's like you and me are talking right now, but, you know, let's say tomorrow I'm supposed to meet someone and then I'm going to be talking to more people automatically for sure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, well, when did you... So, obviously, like, when you talked earlier about, you know, filming your dad's experience in these cargo ships and all that, um, like, when did you first start showing the work or filming making films that were kind of you know under the auspices of like oh this is something that i want to share with people and it's viewing mm. it as kind of like not quote it, unquote immediately art, actually uh yeah. actually immediately like uh, okay well i came back from the international cargo vessel so i had i had a, i had hard drives full of yeah. material and so i just started sharing it um on the laptop not really edited so much um and then having conversations, and then it got more organized. I, I filmed Fisher Folks, and I did the same with them. And then it grew, it grew by I would project on uh, bed sheets, and you know, kind of um, uh, I'd make like uh, big frames and, and and project bigger so that everyone could have the experience. There was no projector on the island right. at the time, <laughs> so yeah. you know, there was a lot more attention. I think if I do it now, people are not as excited anymore. Um, but at the time, like seeing themselves and then having those conversations about what they're seeing, um, you know, everyone, um, all the men, either if I was showing what was on the cargo ship or a fishing boat, the guys themselves would explain, you know, what's there. So it kind of, it would grow. And at at the end of of the whole process, um, there was a three screen video installation but if we hadn't gone through that two-year process of showing parts and, and talking and, 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 you know, the, this kind of use of video material and then creating dialogues, they wouldn't really have... I think the three-screen would have been more difficult to digest. Yeah. But because we went through a whole process, like everybody... Um, it was five day, a five-day installation. It was four days in the high school gym where we could darken it so that the Fisher folks could join in during the day because uh, they fish at night and then we had one day at the plaza the church plaza that's you know the center of the town and mm-hmm. there were about more than 600 people 
and everyone was sitting there. They had drinks, food. Everyone was explaining to each other what they were seeing. So some people knew what that was. Some people were, you know, like someone's father was crying because his son uh, was working on, on on cargo ships, and and then I had a shot of a huge um, container vessel passing, and you know he was telling everyone that you know he knew his son was working on a boat, but he had no idea. That 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 such ships uh, exist, you know, yeah. so huge that those are ten thousand uh, container ships, you know. It's it's they're massive, um, and and I think that's you know I learned in I learned how to make work together because of course I I also I was making it also for them so. I had to add things that maybe I myself, like you were talking about, I like the long shots. I like the slow long shots. Um, I like just putting the camera somewhere and having reality go and yeah. just nothing. Kind of maybe being pure that I, I wasn't allowed to affect anything. But my audience there couldn't handle that. So I had. I had uh, added images of them singing, or you know, um, yeah, you know, putting uh, more elements in that kind of kept my audience awake, also. <laughs> yeah. And 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 getting the tempo faster, so you know, the edits between the three uh, videos are different. I mean, I've always wanted to re-edit that one because I I had I had so many hard drives full, and I, I only ended up using 30 minutes. Right. Of, of a three you screen. You could do different versions of it, hypothetically. Yeah, but, you know, I just, you know, there's just been so much work to do. Yeah, you move on, right? <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. later. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like you have the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like go there's, back to that. Yeah, there's things in the drawer, you know what I mean? Or like things in the <laughs> yeah. studio from the past. You're like, oh, I'd like to revisit that. But you're always working on the next thing. Exactly. So it's hard to go back and do it. It's almost like you need an excuse, you know, like something... Um, but it sounds like, okay, so you're doing these things on projections, but then you're like showing these eventually in like biennials and triennials. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, showing yeah. in a lot of venues. It seems like maybe a little less gallery focused and more like museums and like these, these massive shows yeah. and like Art Basel. I mean, How did that come about? Now it became big. I mean, it's crazy. Um, Basel came... I didn't know what Art Basel was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I googled, and then you no, see some pictures. <laughs> no, really, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I didn't. It's, it's, you know, because I never thought, I never thought of um, these spaces. Yeah. And so I, I made a, I made a plan. I made a proposal. Like I wanted, like, uh, I wanted, like, I mean, in my dreams, like a twenty meter wall, you know, yeah. projection. And I wanted my friends like walking, walking on this, you know. And then they give me this sketch, like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, the space is five by five meters or something. Like, five by five. Yeah, everybody gets the same square, you know. Like, okay. Uh, and then I started questioning myself, is this the work that I should be showing there, you know? Right. Because then, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd had conversations, like, about what this art, it's an art fair, and it's this and it's that. Yeah. Anyways, but um, I was happy that... Um, I decided to, to stay with that work, but the problem was that um, it was great. It was great going to ba- Art Basel. We set it up like an aquarium. I mean, people were trying to touch the video, uh, like behind cool. the video, if there was water. I mean, yeah. they really thought that I'd brought my friends and put them in an aquarium or something, <laughs> you know? Um, 
But it won a prize. It won this uh, Baloise prize. And I remember they were interviewing me. And I was, you know, I was there in my, um, I was setting up, so, you know. Uh, anyway, so I won, I won that prize, and it was, I mean, it was good because it got, it got recognition, you know, that I was able to talk about, you know, important issues. Yeah. But when I came back to Bantayan, nothing changed. It even got worse for my friends, you know. Like, yeah. the situation was getting worse. The disease more damaged. Um, and so that really, 2017, really made me question, like, uh, and I think that changed my work because... It's there's got to be a balance. Like uh, if 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 it can do so well outside, it's got to change something here. There's got it's got to do something here. You know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and that's that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm trying to achieve. Um, you know, being Did, more useful. Like. <laughs> well, do you feel like? I um, mean, that was something I was thinking about in relation to your work, and and thinking about art as social practice because it's a big thing now you know it's like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and I it's, teach it's, at a university so you know there's a lot of impetus to get artists to think about so social practice or how the work engages larger social and cultural issues and art can do that in a different way than in than those issues are brought up in other venues you know whether it's protest whatever it is yeah but art intrinsically doesn't have to be that it it but it can approach that. But the, one of the things I think is interesting is that it does it in a sort of parallel way. Like it's not like a protest, but it does raise awareness in a different way because it brings the aesthetic experience to it, yeah. which is a slower burn. You know, it's like planting seeds. Yeah. But I, w- I wondered if you feel, I think there's this burden, maybe an unconscious burden that could be placed on artwork like that, that, well, it has to have a certain effect or why do it. But the thing is, is like, isn't it kind of like a butterfly effect of like a lot of different things happening and then it's it's a sort of cumulative effect of awareness that you want yeah hopes no i think i think in. it's i think outside of the island the conversations are good like the the dialogues you know even just in in a space the kinds of conversations that you know especially like that work um our islands the underwater parade the kinds of conversations I've had with people because of that work are are are, are great, but um, I think for me maybe it's like um, yeah, I think I'm just it doesn't art really doesn't. I'm not saying that that artists and art need to have an impact on the ground. I think it's it's just my own personal frustration because every time I come here and you know growing up I mean I've seen this island change so much and I see so much damage and I see especially because I've been filming I mean I've always been obsessed with documenting everything and I've I've got the archive to show how coastlines have have changed and even not not only not only that even how how socially things have changed you know like yeah. the things that we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation like um and so i think there's just this urgency you know to to i i i'm just i'm I, it's a dangerous line though because if 
and and this is you know this just this just happens somehow you you become known as a social activist or an environmental activist and what is it you know social environmental art what you know this kind of category and then you're supposed to be kind of performing in that um, and that's it's a dangerous thing if you're thinking about that but I think if if you if 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 you know, I think being in the Philippines and being outside of the city, or, or or even being in the city, like there's no choice. You know, you need to. There's a lot happening, and it kind of and it feels like having the conversations. For me, it's not enough anymore. You know. Yeah. It's just not enough anymore. I, I don't get. You know, you you have all these great. You know, last year, was it last year? Oh my God, it's been a while. The opening in New York, you know, it was it was so emotional. I mean, I haven't done that much crying <laughs> with people, yeah. you know, and it was so intense and and wow. And then you come back here, and then you're just, you know, no one cares because there's shit going on, you know. Right. Uh, people are hungry, and um, you know, people are hungry. They've got problems. Um, there's not enough fish. What are they gonna do? There's. Uh, all the young people we've been working with, they disappear, they go to cities, they, they become, they have children really, really young, it's too young, I think. Um, yeah, and then you, you know, I just, it's, it kind of feels like I come back from something like that, like this huge event in New York, and then I hit the ground and I'm running, you know, because right. there's just so much to do. And I think for me it's been, you know, the, the let's say that contemporary world has become kind of a formula where I can get support, where I can have the freedom to do whatever I want on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. in a way, right? Um, and I was very excited about that formula, you know, like I, I work I work with a gallery and it could give me complete freedom. Like I, I'm not writing a funding proposal. I, I could earn my own money and I could do what I want with it, you know. I could, I could help people. I could, you know. Yeah. And and it's a bit like that. But I mean, I'm also g- becoming more realistic um, in the sense that I need to think long term, you know. And so that's why, you know, setting up the organization and 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 working with with people who have other experiences, who have knowledge. Um, you know, how how do you really do this with communities um, that you can have long-term in- impact and and the relationships I mean they're friends and neighbors so you know someone was saying to me just uh, last week like uh, there's there's a good thing about you living in your community and doing the work but there's also a danger in it you know yeah because you know it's a it's a lifetime commitment and you know, maybe, you know, life, you never know. You never know if, if good things or bad things are going to happen. Like, is, is it going to be worth it, all, all this work, you know? I don't know. We'll have yeah, to talk it's, it's again hard. in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I have this weird yeah. sort of, like, fatalistic approach. Like, because I was, when in reading about your work and thinking about what you're trying to do and, and thinking about environmental issues, which is something, like, you know, when I was in school as a kid, we, we started working on environmental issues and I remember greenhouse gases and all that and you see how slowly it's 
taken to even take steps towards rectifying some of the damages we do, which is a good thing, and that has to be done. But then part of me feels like we're but we're humans. We're going to we're just going to be humans and keep. <laughs> building things you know what i mean like yeah we're not gonna all of a sudden turn back the clock and be uh, take no. things back to a sort of unless we're forced into it via some sort of catastrophe or something like that we're just going to keep building things and making things and in technology advancing we're not going to be able to stop it it's basically no. bigger than we are which is but that doesn't mean we don't have we don't fight the fight and try to you know limit the damage of like environmental things or or any of these yeah. social um, issues, but I just wonder at the end of the day if we're just gonna be people, <laughs> we're just gonna we're do always what humans do, and things are just going to change. And there's just so many people. I mean, sometimes I mean I have I have a lot of times where I'm thinking, what the hell? I mean, it's just it's so big, you know. It's yeah. just it's a lot. Um, and I think that's why I keep going back to, you know, working, how do you say, keep even this conversation with you where I'm pulling it back again here on Bantayan, you know, because I'm trying right. to make it smaller, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had a conversation beginning of this year, like someone's, someone was saying that, you know, you can't do the little thing if, without understanding the big thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... We have to understand what's happening and what's going on, and then we just have to bring it back to our own life and our own house and our own family or in our own friends and, yeah. and, and people around us. And I think that's really what I'm trying to do with my work, to, to see what's around us and, and how can we best... Um, Finding solutions sounds, it's a bit romantic. Of course, we can't find solutions to everything, but... Making a difference? Making a difference in the sense, you know, like, for example, I, I'll just give an example, so I'm, I'm, you know, but um, like this small island that I'm working with, they're all fisher folks, and the young people now are, um, they're all going to school. So they're the last generation, probably, that, that will stay. Uh, so it's, it's fast-changing, um, but then I'm thinking, you know, the kinds of um, courses that they're taking here are, are really for labor export. You know, Filipinos are, are we're, we're well known for, you know, they, labor export. The Filipinos leave the country, you know, and then they send money back. But it really makes me sad because a lot of these young people that I've been working with in the pandemic, they were, they were taking care of their, they set up a marine protected area. You know, not the not the older people. They yeah. they were they were the ones fighting for it, and then all of a sudden, w- there's no job opportunities in that. You know, why why can't the kids of these fishermen? Why can't they be the scientists? Why can't they be the marine biologists? Why you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think and I think that that kind of makes me hopeful, thinking, hey, maybe I, maybe I could uh, play a role in that. You know. Yeah. Uh, maybe this 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 way of thinking that we've been talking about in this conversation. Maybe maybe we could create another kind of institution where we could uh, work with these young people and that they could do something. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like all these plans in the back. You know, like what I'm hang what I'm hanging here on my walls. You know, it's all like. 
you know, I, I'm, you know, having these conversations with these young people, saying, "What are your dreams? Uh, what are you? What did What did you guys research during the pandemic? And and what's the next phase of your research so that it's actually connected to where you want to be? You know, and their dreams are 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 are, are not. How do you say? They're not dreams of Disneyland or or, or going to to another planet. Like their their dreams are just basic basic. Um, they just want to stay on their land, and they just want to stay with their families, and they and they want to be able to have an income. You know what I mean? Not everybody wants to leave, you know. Right. Um, and and so I think like they could really play a role in that. Um, you know, so I, I try to take these big, you know, when we think of climate change and, and, and if, you know, sometimes I, sometimes you have to just kind of breathe and say, okay, what, what's here? What can we do? Um, what are the conversations that we should be having? Because climate change, the problem is, is that people here, they cannot really talk about climate change because there's all these other things that are pressing. So climate change is connected to everything, but it's not It's not like when I'm in Holland where it's kind of that fight with the sea that Holland has and this climate change and that they are just gearing up for, you know, they're making floating houses, they're, yeah. they're not going to fight nature, they're going to move with nature, this way of thinking, it's amazing. But when you come back to the, you know, when I come back to the Philippines, it's like, people don't have time to, they can't think about it, you know. They're, right. you know, there's just, yeah, so... And I think, um, so it's all, like, if you want to talk about environment, you have to talk about the social issues, you have to talk about the economic situation, you know, and, and that's how you end up, you know. Well, that's the, the genesis. <laughs> Doing all these things. The whole genesis of the issue is you have giant sort giant. of capitalist organ or money-making organizations pumping out bad things for the environment, or, you know, it's all about yeah. selling stuff. And then yeah, yeah, those yeah. people who have the resources who make all this money off it didn't care to invest back into the environment until maybe fairly recently when they're, you know, making electric cars or doing something that's, or solar panels, but that's a very small percentage. So that's like yeah. the issue. Like if, if the, the ones with the resources aren't doing it, how is the fisherman on an island in the middle of the Philippines going to be able to do it? Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's yeah. the disconnect. So it's definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's got to be those people who make those decisions. And unfortunately, a lot of times those decisions aren't made until the midnight hour when things have gotten really bad to where we're like, oh, shoot, I, I guess we got to address this now. That's kind of like the way humans react to things sometimes. You know, it's like wait until yeah. the house is on until fire it, yeah, and then yeah. find when some water. When it's too late, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. When it's yeah. too late. We gotta start somewhere. We gotta do something. Exactly, baby right? steps. It helps, like yeah. anything in the right direction. Yeah, I'm. I think I think the. I don't know, and it's also unfair to say like, oh, you know, it's it's the next generation now. You know, I mean, that's we gotta all do it. <laughs> we all. Oh, you mean pass it <laughs> and off to young people? The, oh, the, you guys the, clean it the, up. The, yeah. The big companies. The. You know, I mean. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. I don't know how to. I think I think because you know it's 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 a difficult one, you know. You get, yeah. I mean, you gotta be part of larger networks. You gotta be, 
Yeah, you got to be organized. Like, so working with communities here, you have to organize them. They have to become an official group. You know, so you create more. Um, how do you say? It's not about being official. It's about you know teaching people to use their voice, and it's not just the voice to to also. I mean, it is true. Even though, let's say, what what does the fisherman have to do with that? I mean, fishermen here. Not everybody, you know, not everyone is is how do you say? They are also de destroying the, the the environment themselves as well. Uh, I mean, I know that there are reasons for it, also because they're desperate and they're looking for food. Uh, but they do also damage corals. They do also, you know, and they're competing with commercial fishing and they do dynamite fishing or they, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's anyways, it, that's, that's part of a very complicated, um, a bigger story. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's interest, industry, uh, commercialization. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's a capitalist, um, system. So, Anyways, yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't fully. It's funny because sometimes people will say, "Oh, well, you're you worry about the environment, but you're an artist and you make things, and just making things is adding stuff to the world that we don't need or whatever." It's just like an endless cycle. I mean, there. It's, I mean, it's my the work. I mean, that's a difficult <laughs> difficult thing when I set up my work, like the video installations, right, or like. Uh, you know the projection, the screens. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of contradicting, you know, when you're setting up and you're like, mm, you know. Um, yeah, but that wouldn't be an issue yeah. if we didn't have those giant factories and companies and people just making trillions and like destroying. You know, <laughs> if everything was moderate, everything in moderation. You know what I mean? Is <laughs> is for the world would be a great thing. Can I ask you a completely separate question? I'm so curious about this. What was, were you into music growing up? Was there music around? What's your relationship to music? Music. I wish I was um, musical. I'm not. Um, I didn't grow up in that sense. I mean, I grew up with a Dutch mom who was listening to Dire Straits and Pink Floyd and, and all of this, you know, she's 75. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> no. I was, for some reason, Dutch, I was thinking like, I don't know, like Mozart or, or you know, classical or something. Uh, no, I dire mean, she Straits. would like, we would awesome. go for like night drives and my mom couldn't sleep and she would get us in the car and we would go for drives like into the woods and it would be pink floyd and nice. um yeah and so um and then here in the philippines you know like uh, the fiestas like cha-cha everything mixed you know where yeah. everybody music that everybody dances on together nice um and i think like um yeah i mean when i actually work i actually like silence <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a silence person. Those yeah, I actually, I am. <laughs> That's a rare one. Because you like yeah, to your mind? Yeah, I, th I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, I think it's a luxury that here, it, not all the time, but that it can be quiet. Like for the last 20 years, uh, we've been kind of reforesting and rehabilitating this area here. Mm-hmm. And so, like, now I can hear, like, in the evening, I hear different types of birds. And, nice. 
like there's just all these these sounds so I, you know I, I think when I was living in the city I had a time when I was living in Manila or even in Rotterdam you know and then you're just so disconnected from these kinds of sounds Right. And like through the whole year and during the day, like uh, and if it's raining and if it's really hot day, there's different sounds and all these different crickets and, and insects and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a real forest. Um, uh, we were actually planning some kind of a field trip with uh, the neighbors here because you know they've kind of seen us. Well, they know we've been kind of just letting this whole area grow wild and it was just when the pandemic when we were all hanging out together and you know we were doing so much sharing that they kind of you know understood that you know the whole purpose of 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 letting everything grow wild here but we were thinking of going on a field trip to really see a real forest you know because um people here they you know, sadly, everything has been cut or, you know, there's just a few really old trees remaining on the island. And, um, yeah, so I feel like I'm in a forest, but when I actually go, like, these, these trees are 20 years old. It's not really, you know, it's not really forest yet. Um, I was just in Palawan on the bigger island, um, another island that's, they call it the last frontier of the Philippines, and it still has forest. <laughs> and I was uh, talking to this lady, like, um, you know, I was. I wish I could show my neighbors because you know our area and this province, I feel like is is quite damaged compared to Palawan. Um, and she was saying like, oh, you have a place to stay, but yeah, it's 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 it's. Um, it would be a twenty-four hour travel time with boat, and it would be quite expensive with the plane to bring everybody. But yeah, th these are the things that I'm planning. Like uh, maybe uh, closer by, like we could go and 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 see places like this yeah. by you know for ourselves. What's well, it? The island, your island's pretty small, right? Isn't it like a forty? No, it's actually drive quite big. From one to it, the other, it is. It is four minutes, but it's quite populated. There's 120,000 people on the. Oh main, no, I meant small island. geographically small. Geographically small, but a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. But a lot of people, yeah. I mean, the idea that you could get from one end to the other in 40 minutes, whereas <laughs> driving in the U.S. from one side to the other side is... See, like I, see when you were saying that at the beginning of the conversation, that you just go, uh, you know, how vast the U.S. is, I can't really imagine, you know? Oh, it took two weeks, basically, to go from, you know, the East Coast to the West Coast and back. And that was like camping along the way, you know. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long... It's a long ways, <laughs> and I, but I think, but don't forget, like the islands, they're connected by sea, and the sea is like that. Yeah. So the sea is, you know, and Fast. and I think, um, you know, I think when I went to Honolulu for the Honolulu Bayanio, I think mm -hmm. it was 2019. Saw that. My Very brother jealous. and me got. <laughs> yeah, my brother and me got invited. It was that was I, that was something Hawaii. else. It's so nice. That biennial was really special too because they got all the artists together and it was really about connecting all the artists. Yeah. So they really took the time and effort and they made the effort to get us together that we were really having conversations and having very informal uh, time together. That's you so know? cool. 
it was although I mean, it was emotional to too to go. <laughs> yeah i mean they got and then they got a lot of people from the pacific and 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 you know yeah and i think one thing though that i that i learned when i was there that was that um I used to kind of say about the Philippines, like, yeah, you know, we've lost the culture, you know, it's so colonized. And when I went to Hawaii, I was like, hmm, I couldn't get on a boat. I couldn't get on the water, <clears throat> you know, like you, you can get on the boat uh, as a tourist, like a hundred or a hundred dollars for an hour or something like that, yeah, $200, yeah. I don't remember, like a sunset boat. And the only other thing that we tried was there are these, um, these great programs where they teach young people to sail again or get on their old um, outrigger canoes or the uh -huh. canoes that they have yeah, yeah. that they've been rebuilding. But you don't just get on the on the boat, you know. It's 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 a process, oh, and yeah. you have to learn and this and that. So I never got on the boat, and it it was just how they move from island to island is by plane, you know, and yeah. it kind of. I was so happy when I got back to the Philippines that we still have this connection to water. Yeah. You know, how, how can you be living on islands and then not have, you know, not have the freedom of getting on the boat? You know? Water's scary, though. I guess you're used to it. I don't know. I, well, I guess the water in... Water. in it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, that's the funny thing. Like... Uh, so we're living in the in the middle of the island, right? And right. so we're doing exchanges between these this the small these small islands. We're doing exchanges with the inland people and the small islands, right? And so when the islanders, these kids of fisher folks, when they come stay with us, they're terrified of the woods. But then we get on the boats with them at night and I mean, that's scary, you know. And then they dive at night. I mean, they fish at night. That's really that's scary. Crazy. But they're I not scared remember. at all. Yeah. But they're here when they stay in my place. And I'm, I have no walls. I have everything open. I mean, they are, they sleep, like they hug and they hold each other. Because they're scared. And <laughs> it's all relative, right? We were, it's like city we people. We were on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the boat um, just a... Uh, a couple of weeks ago and we, I mean we fell asleep like uh, traveling there's a small boat and uh, when you it was quite a low tide so they had to put on like the flashlight of the cell phone to kind yeah. of check that we weren't going to hit any of the corals and because the light was on these flying fish get attracted so they would they're oh like a, they were like swords flying out of the, the water hitting Jeez. us and that's dangerous because they can hit your your face, their yeah. your eyes, you know. And um, so one of our friends was like screaming, like turn around, like cover your face, switch off the light, you know. And <laughs> we were lying in the boat, like, come on, guys, you know. And you're not scared of this. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's all relative, I guess. <laughs> it's what you're used you to. You should come visit. You should come. You should come see. Oh, the, be, it looks amazing. It. It looks amazing. I have. Well, really I mean, they're posting a lot of stuff now online because it's becoming a, a tourist destination. And unfortunately, they're not showing other things as well, you know? Like yeah. some parts of the island is full of people on coastal areas, and, and there's, you know, a lot of damage to coastal areas. But they only show like this beautiful white white beach with this light blue water, you know, which is like on one side of the island, like, uh, you know, 
You well, know how it is. It, yeah, that's the way it goes. I mean, they're not your, showing the parts of Honolulu that are, you know, the exactly, garbage dumps. Exactly, with all the people. <laughs> <laughs> they're just showing the beach, you know, Diamond Head and all that. But Hawaii is the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, indigenous people there who just don't want the tourists, but it is a tourist place and they yeah. and the economy is kind of works off of Depending that so it's a real it. yeah. kind of conundrum you know yeah yeah and i think the process that the hawaiians are going through to kind of maybe it sounds wrong if i say reconnect with their culture but to kind yeah. of find it you know it felt like that to me when when i was there that you know um it had kind of been taken away you know so yeah so they're you know, and and I think and I think that's that's kind of what also got us started. Um, I work a lot with my brothers, so really kind of started us taking this documentation that we've been doing all these years here very serious because it's it's kind of a proof of of a culture being very alive and very complex. You know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I hope next time if we have a talk, like I could have you know other my my kids here with me and oh, they could yeah. um, you know share some things with you no it sounds like i mean it's great like what you're doing what your work is doing for the island and the people and it's just it's really compelling so how can people so people who don't know your work or might not be familiar with your stuff like what's the best way for them to you know find you and find your work Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not very much online. I mean, I have um, I have a Vimeo, and I share like um, portions of of my videos there. Mm-hmm. I don't show the whole thing because I think it needs more concentration and it probably needs a space. Um, Unfortunately, I can't say, I can't give you all of this. I don't have a, I, a working re- website. It's still under construction. I'm quite horrible, actually, online. But those other, <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I mean, I was able to Where did you research. find me? Well, I mean, if you Google your name and look at videos, and there's, you know, there's places where your yeah. work has been shown where they post your stuff. You yeah, know? exactly. So, I mean, I think the best thing would be, I mean, if, if somebody didn't know my work, I would really want them to see my work in a space. Yeah. Um, as an installation. Ideally, right? Um, we all. Ideally. <laughs> it's ideally, better in person. All of us, right? In person. <laughs> yeah. And if it's if it's online, I mean, yes, I do have have uh, parts of my work um, either on YouTube or or online. And I also work um, the organization that um, I work with here is called Goodland, and that can I give the website? It's www.goodland.ph. And there, you know, there are um, there. You see all the young people I work with and the projects that uh, we do there as well. That's great. And so, yeah, those things I, I share. I'm better at sharing those things because I feel like they're not my own things. Right, right. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it with other people, and it's always easier to kind of boast those things. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. do this podcast, so I always like talking about the other artists, which is. Yeah. You know, Thank you for things. doing this. I, I have a question for you, actually. Sure. How did you How did you end up doing it like this? Like, um, I can imagine it. It started as, you know, face to face artists having yeah conversations, right? And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I started doing most of them in person 
And I started it because I, you know, I teach in Pennsylvania and I live in New York, so I would drive four hours to teach like twice a week. And, and I was mm-hmm. listening to a lot of podcasts and, and I liked ones where it was, you know, people telling their story, actors, comedians, whoever. And I was like, why, why can't I ever listen to artists talk this way? It feels like artist interviews were a little more shorter and usually the same questions. So I started it. And yeah, it was a lot of me in the studio or meeting people in the gallery and doing them in person. And then COVID hit. So that forced it to happen, you know, over Zoom. But the great thing about that was I was able, I opened it up to way more people than just people who were either in New York or passing through New York. So it became much more international and and people from different places, which I think was is great because it really diversified yeah. you know the amount of people I was talking to which it worked out and I get less parking tickets doing it this way <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean I you know I take something away again you know I it, it's a good reminder how good it is to to share conversations right yeah I, um, I mean that's why I do it I it's it's so yeah. it's been one of the funnest most rewarding things that I've done just because I get to talk to new people every week. And I'm the kind of artist that I don't really have a lot of studio visits. I just go there. I kind of like to do my thing. It's like my space where I can just, you know, everything else in my life is so, it's busy and all this stuff. But there I could just go and have my own world. And, uh, but this is something that's been, you know, so much, so much fun and, and really rewarding. So thank you for doing it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for for you know taking the time. I mean, that's that's uh, how do you say? You know, that means a lot. That you know, you would want to take the time and ask me questions about how it all started. You know, when I was a kid, I, nobody ever asked me those those things, and, and it's actually really important. Like, um, oh, I think so. I think too. I think from when you were young, that's really kind of that's where it starts. You know, that and and you and you keep that. Yeah, thanks thank for you doing for this. It was fun. Yeah. Edited and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by going to soundvisionpodcast.com or find images on Instagram at soundvisionpodcast. You can support the podcast by leaving a rating or review wherever you're listening or share it with a friend, tell someone else about it. And you can also pick up the book Why I Make Art, the official book for the podcast at Atelier Editions on their website. Many thanks to Martha, many thanks to Golden, many thanks to Fulcrum. And make sure you stay tuned, we've got some good episodes coming up. Thanks for listening.